in your face. Shirley Bassey there. You are and in your face on 3CR with James. I am joined and delighted to have them on the show, Mel O'Brien, who stars in The Funny Thing Happened on the way to the forum, which is showing currently at Chapel Off Chapel. Mel, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. It sounds like such a fun Stephen Sondheim production. You play Felia. Tell us all about it. This is correct. You're right. It is a very fun Stephen Sondheim production. Um, it's so our production is an all-female um, production of Forum, which is a world first, which is very, very cool. Um, and we're sort of, yeah, it's just been an absolute joy to do something completely farcical and comedic, but kind of reframed to a bit of a modern context, because there's a bit of the delightful misogyny in the text and some things that, you know, don't inherently fly um, these days, so been a real cool challenge to kind of reshape that for a 2023 audience. Yeah, wow. So that does sound challenging. How have you done that? I think um, we have our amazing director, Melanie Hillman, kind of leading leading the charge there. Um, I think it's kind of it's kind of complex and simple all at once. I think our approach is kind of been, we haven't changed a single word of the text. So quite purely having like women saying these words and playing these roles and showing audiences you know, what was written for them in the 60s, ultimately, which was the the female characters who speak in this show are either kind of crone wives who are nagging and yelling at their husbands or brainless kind of virginal sex slaves, which is my delightful character. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, we, we instead have, you know, all the roles of power being played by women. And, yeah, it just brings up some really fascinating stuff in the text. And it's fascinating because it's vaudeville meets the work of the Roman playwright Plautus. Kind of tell us yes. about the setting. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's set in ancient Rome, and all of the all of the characters are kind of based on your kind of classic farcical stereotypes. So you kind of have the bumbling old man, and you have um, yeah the the kind of the the ingenue character. You have the high energy, frenetic kind of person who keeps getting everything wrong and. You have all of these characters in this, all mixed up in this kind of big mistaken identity uh, romp, I guess, chaotic little romp. 
So what's it like for you starring in this production? I mean, your CV is incredibly impressive. You've starred in Fangirls at the Sydney Opera House, The Gospel According to Jesus, Queen of Heaven, you've done Flat Earthers, you've done Tinder Tales, you've done Miracle City, Starstruck, and The Mikadu. I mean, that's quite a CV. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Watch This is a company that I've been wanting to work with for a really long time. They're, to my belief, the only kind of Sondheim repertory company, which means they, they only put on Sondheim work. Um, and so, yeah, I absolutely love what they do, especially with kind of Sondheim's passing recently. To do a Sondheim work has been so kind of beautiful and thrilling for, for new reasons, to honour and respect that. Um, and... Yeah, it's just been amazing. The people in this production are amazing. The cast is star-studded. We have Judith Roberts in the cast, who was actually in the original Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, which I think is so cool, um, and just such incredible diversity. Like, we have our youngest performer is, I think, 22, and our oldest performer is 82, and everywhere in between there, all shapes, colours, sizes. It's just been so inspiring. That is incredible to have Judith, who was like in the first production, which I think was in 1962. What are they saying about how it's evolved in terms of what it's like for them, you know, you know, yeah. being in a production like 60 years later? Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. It's I think all of us kind of younger ones in the room feel like, you know, there's so much to learn from all the people who've been in this industry for much longer than we have, and that's kind of how our industry works. You pass things down, and you pass, especially comedy, like you pass down to people younger than you, you know, that that kind of almost formulaic way of, of how we do comedy and how, how to make an audience laugh, and um, it's just amazing. Like, she has so many years of experience, and it's definitely safe to say this production probably wouldn't have happened in the 60s the same way that that production in the 60s probably wouldn't go up now. And I wonder what Stephen Sondheim would think of your production. I mean, they passed away, as you alluded to, in 2021. Yeah. Uh, a queer artist, a queer writer, a queer a queer producer. It sounds like yeah. they'd kind of be relieved to see your production because it sounds like you've put things into it that, you know, he wouldn't have been able to get away with in the 1960s. Yeah, 100%. I mean, um, I feel like what Stephen sometimes works do best is they kind of speak to universal experiences and they're so kind of like Shakespeare. They're so adaptable to whatever's happening in the kind of modern age. And so they're kind of just this amazing vehicle, I guess, to put anything into it. So, you know, we have, you know, all the relationships in our show really read as queer relationships, which I think is really, really cool. And it's not a big focus, but it's just kind of a cool representation thing that we get to have. And I think sometimes we have loved it. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, you know, there's so many queer debates at the moment that are happening that, you know, never would have happened decades ago. Do you as a cast talk about that, this moment in history that we're in and kind of what that means for an all-identifying female production that was written by a a queer writer? I think, um, uh, do you mean with with, some... specific kind of context are you talking to at the moment? Well, just all of the all of the shenanigans and all of the queering up of, of, of the text that you've done, you yeah. know, and we're living in such a time where, where queerness is, you know, um, so much more evident in our societies. Is that something yeah. that you talk about as a, as a cast? I think um, considering that there's a lot of queer people in the cast and non-queer people, I think it's just this beautiful thing of kind of authentic representation. So I think that's also the thing that we actively talk about 
um, you know, we haven't been in the rehearsal room like this kiss now looks like a lesbian kiss and what does that mean? But I think it's kind of without naming it, just felt really powerful um, to again have be able to learn from each other. Um, and so for the non queer people in the space to see how meaningful this is for, for us, like myself as a queer woman, um, you know, growing up, I never got to see two women kiss on stage. I don't I, I I rarely can think of something even now where I can see that. And so, yeah, that's that's very, very cool. And I think we all just feel really lucky to be a part of it. And we're having people come out of audiences, you know, telling us, I've never seen two people with my body type, um, you know, be shown as desirable on stage because I, you know, I'm a plus-size person and I play the role in the show that, you know, is the ingenue, this romantic lead type. And I think Watch This just does an amazing job of opening up the barriers and showing how exciting and interesting casting can be in Australia. Would you rate this as your most empowering role? I feel like I've been very lucky in that I've had a, a, some really, really cool works, but it's certainly up there. I think I've wanted to play an ingenue for a long time, and when you're a funny, bigger girl, a lot of um, commercial castings don't see you as that way, but I'm, you know, I'm a classically trained opera singer, and I'm like, guys, I can do this. So, yeah, it's definitely been very empowering in that way and I'm so grateful to the show and the company for getting me on board. I feel very lucky. Do you feel like that you as an artist are kind of shattering some pink ceilings but also some, you know, limitations around, you know, casting and body size? It sounds like you've you've been able to cut through that. Do you feel like that's the case and yeah. why do you think you've been able to do it? It's a really good question. I think, um, I think a part of it for me is that I, you know, I, I have kind of started it. I'm, I'm a comedian. I'm a musical comedian with my best friend Samantha Andrew. We're in a comedy duo called Mel and Sam, and I quit. I kind of started doing that because I wasn't getting uh, what I kind of was dreaming of from music theatre because I just wasn't being seen in the way that I saw myself. And I think kind of starting that career on the side has meant that because I've had the um, the agency the agency to create my own work and to show the world how I want to be seen as a performer, I think that's made casting people go, oh, she can do this and she can do that. But if I had never done that, they might not have ever seen that because I wasn't getting in the room for things. And so, yeah, it's, it's been really interesting. And I think in, in previous years, I've gone, oh, I'm just this kind of like bigger girl who's funny. And it's been in the last few years that I feel like the industry has started to see myself and other performers like me as so much more than that. And I think awareness about gender and gender diversity and I think, you know, queerness has kind of helped the industry have that conversation and move forward. Absolutely. I mean, if all of our stories were all white and all cis and all all of those things all the time, we'd be so bored. I feel like, you know, our community is such a gorgeous fabric and patchwork of amazing people and yeah, there is just so many great stories to be told and I think we're in a really exciting time for moving forward and including everyone in that because we've only got good things to learn from it. You're also performing in High Pony for Melbourne Fringe. That's your next production. So you're really lucky yes. to have something to segue into straight away. Tell I us know. about that. Oh, High Pony is... Um, uh, a show that, yeah, myself and my creative partner, Samantha Andrew, are doing um, on a trades hall from the 4th to the 22nd of October. And it is a big old, we like to describe it as kind of a bit of a lolly bag of musical comedy, sketch, 
We have a song about two lesbians coming down off MDMA while they're in Ikea looking for a desk. We have a song about where's Wally and where really is he? It's it's very whack. It's a step inside our cranium. Um, and, yeah, we had, we had a run of it at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. We're very lucky to um, completely sell out and we're very proud of the show. We're very excited to it. Um, find some more audience for it this time around again. So you guys wrote High Pony? We did, yes. It's entirely original. I always forget to say that part. <laughs> Fantastic. So what's um what's up for you after High Pony? Well, um, Sam and I are going on a couple of tours next year. We're touring interstate with High Pony. So we're going to take it to Adelaide Fringe, um, which we love Adelaide Fringe. We're so excited about that. Um, we're going to take it to Sydney Comedy Festival, Brisbane, hopefully. And we're also in the process of uh, writing a couple of new projects as well, which is very exciting. Oh, tell us about the new projects. I can't say too much. I have to be a little uh, tight-lipped at this stage. However, um, Sam and I are really uh, getting cracking on writing a musical, which is very exciting. And that's kind of both of our... Both of our big dreams come true in that. So that's always what we wanted to do, and it's finally cracked a laughing and happened. And you're on a real roll with your work. Like, you're not, like, struggling to find it, which is which is wonderful. <laughs> it's so funny that it comes across that way, because I think, oh, if you... if you, if you so Literally, I have a self-tape uh, screen set up right now that I'm about to go <laughs> record and beg for a job in something for. So, <laughs> no, but I, I'm very aware that, um, I'm super lucky and have been, been able to get on some incredible projects, but the grind never ends. I'm sure you understand. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Uh, is currently showing at Chapel Off Chapel. It runs until September 24. Mel O'Brien, it's been a real joy to chat with you today on 3CR. Such a joy. Thanks for having me. Cheers. See you later. Hello, Brian there. And yeah, it's a wonderful production. Uh, a funny thing happened on the way of the forum. And here's Cat Power.
real soon, Liam Dummer from Head First Acrobats to talk about gods and creme de la creme. But here is Dido in the meantime. This track's called Grafton Street. No more trips to Grafton Street 
Daniel Merriweather there. Stop me. You are in your face on 3CR. 
And uh, yeah, Liam Dummer's up real soon from Headfirst Acrobats to talk about their amazing shows, Gods and Creme de la Creme. But uh, here's a classic from Bruce Springsteen. Those boys 
Radical Radio 3CR. Wonderland there with 
first. I'm absolutely thrilled to have Liam Dummer on the line from Headfirst Acrobats to talk about gods and creme de la creme. Liam, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Your productions are so exciting. They're incredibly physical. I mean, um, yeah, how do you prepare for them? Uh, a lot of stretching um, and trying to get as much sleep as possible, usually. Um, in our off-seasons, you know, there's a lot of training involved in preparation, but whilst the season's happening, I try to take it as easy as I can during the day and just preserve the energy for the evening. <laughs> Because they really are high energy. You must feel like an elite athlete, but you must feel like there's an incredible kind of, you know, physical trust and emotional camaraderie with your co-stars as well because of that high energy and also because of the skill involved. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, you know, we all went to um, circus school together um, in Melbourne, the National Institute of Circus Arts. So we all, we all kind of met each other there and as... Um, you know, and you know, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of uh, trust involved in circus. You know, you are doing uh, risky things with each other every day. So, you know, it's good to have that trust and to ensure that everyone's doing things as safe as they can. So you've got three productions happening for Melbourne Fringe and you're starring in two of them, Gods and Creme de la Creme. Let's start with Creme de la Creme because it's getting kind of, you know, a lot of intrigue because it is very physical but very sexual as well. What can you tell us about it? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Creme de la Creme, it's a variety cabaret show and uh, there's a bit of everything in it. You know, you have your, you know, we've got a high-level contemporary circus in it and a bit of razzle-dazzle, a bit of comedy and, yeah, of course, there's a, a little bit of nudity that is involved in the show, um, just to keep, you know, if there's a bit of everything involved in it just to keep everyone entertained, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's a lot of fun. How queer is creme de la creme? Because there's obviously a bit of a queer influence happening there. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, you know, I'm the, I'm the only queer cast member in the show, but, um, you know, we try to put a bit of ourselves in all the acts and I always try to put a uh, approach my work with a queer perspective um yeah but yeah no, everyone everyone's putting a bit of themselves into each of their acts whether or not that's comedy or whether or not that's just like an honest emotional piece of work that they're doing so I read a, a bit of a bio on you that was published in Circus Talk, and it said you specialise in aerial straps, tumbling, group acro, and iron jaw. Now, I must admit, I'm a novice. I don't really know what any of those things are, but the one that really struck me as sounding fascinating was iron jaw. Iron jaw, yeah. Um, yeah, iron jaw is uh, quite literally I hang from my mouth in the air. Um, and, yeah, just give you a couple of different shapes and positions and some fast spins occasionally. Um, but, yeah, basically, yep, just got to have a – got to train up my jaw and make sure it doesn't dislocate when I hang off it. Yep. <laughs> God, you sound like the bionic man. <laughs> how amazing. How it's a lot of fun, yeah. How I like, incredible. I like seeing the reactions. <laughs> what about group acro? What's that? Uh, group acro, so, yeah, like, like you were saying before, you know, needing a lot of camaraderie and trust amongst people, group acro is basically, you know, we just climb on top of each other and, you know, stuck, imagine like uh, two people standing on top of a person or someone doing a handstand on someone's hands kind of thing. That's kind of what group acro involves. 
How did you well, tell us about the trajectory that got you into this amazing performance? <laughs> I mean, I mean, were you a gymnast as a kid? Um, I was. I did do gymnastics, but I mainly come from diving, um, diving off heights and whatnot. Not scuba diving. People seem to get it mixed up sometimes. But yeah, my diving off heights and whatnot. And then I was also really into theatre and acting and whatnot when I was in high school. So after I'd finished high school, um, I thought a, a natural pro trajectory for me would be to go into circus. Um, and then, yes, I auditioned for the National Institute of Circus Arts in Melbourne um, and then, uh, yeah, moved from Sydney to Melbourne to do a three-year bachelor's course there. I can really see the link with you know um um diving you know like the 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 falling from you know heights and 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 just the physical prowess that would be involved in that and the discipline and all of that like it is so related but it's not necessarily what anyone would think of you know off the top of their head as being a link with acrobats. Yeah, no, I mean it's uh, the aerial awareness definitely like for what I do now um the aerial awareness that I have definitely. I can thank diving, my years of diving for that. Um, and, yeah, I've always been a, a very physical person, so it makes sense to me, I guess. <laughs> the other production you're featuring in for Head First Acrobats for Fringe is Gods. Tell us about Gods. Yeah, Gods, um, basically, yeah, it's uh, it's very loosely based on Greek mythology, Um but yeah, it's a one-hour show um, that goes through the lives of uh, four Greek gods, um, and it's an hour of comedy, um, absurdity, and just a all-out tomfoolery. Um, but yeah, high-level circus as well. Um, but yeah, it's a really fun show. We've managed to uh, get a few awards um, over the last two years. We've been touring it, um, including best. Uh, Best Circus in Fringe World Perth and People's Choice Award at um, Melbourne Fringe last year, actually. So, yeah, we've we've really been enjoying touring the show and we've been very humbled by all the the success of the had so far, yeah. I mean, both shows are showing at Fringe in October. What's it like, you know, preparing for both of them essentially at the same time almost, you know, the same month? Yeah, um, well, like creme de la creme, you know, we we all do one act each in that show, so it's a little bit it's a little bit kinder to our bodies. You know, we only have to really warm up for a five minute act, really. But um, for gods, um, a lot more preparation definitely goes into that, just because it's four of us on stage for the entire thing, basically. Um, but yeah, we just try and try and keep as active as possible. Um, you know, obviously we need the downtime, and we're not performing but like you know yeah we try to keep fit we go to the gym as well and we keep up we uh keep up with our skills when we're not performing as well which one is hardest uh gods or crims or crim uh, I, I definitely gods um but gods is also a lot, is a lot of fun as well just because it's hard doesn't mean we're not having fun whilst doing it it's always fun entertaining people and making people laugh um but yeah, definitely, Gods, I would say, is quite physically demanding. Um, but Creme, you know, it's good because you get a bite get a bite of what everyone is capable of. And we also have the girls with us in Creme de la Creme as well. 
So in gods, because it is so physically demanding and there are four of you, you know, interrelating, do you find that you feel kind of like the physical toll it's taking on each other? Like, do you find that, you know, you have that physical empathy for your, for your co-stars? Absolutely. I mean, I always try to be considerate when I'm performing with them, try and not step on them too hard. Um, but, you know, it's, it's all part of the fun. Right? <laughs> So you mentioned before that Creme de la Creme, you, you each have like, you know, an act each. Tell us about your act in Creme de la Creme. Yeah, um, I've, you know, I, um, I what do I do in Creme? I have two acts that I rotate between. But, um, yeah, basically I wear this nice fringy hat number with a bit of sparkles on it and I walk around in high heels um, and do a couple of slips and um, hang by my mouth as well. Um, but, yeah, I, it's kind of, you know, I, I like kind of playing with a bit of a gender-bender role in that kind of in that kind of context. And, I, um, yeah, I just enjoy, um, you know, kind of the mystery about um, playing with gender, I guess, sometimes. So, yeah, that's kind of what my act is mainly based on. It sounds so much fun. It does sound incredibly camp. Who are some of your camp influences? <laughs> oh, that's a toughie. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, let me think for a second. A camp influence that I would say... Oh, look, I mean, I'm the, cl- the classic off the top of my head thing that I'll say right now is uh, I, know, I watch a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race. That's the classic um, thing that you would see. Um but yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of amazing camp circus and cabaret happening at the moment. You've got Ruben Kay, you've got Breach, you've got Yanni, also Melbourne-based company. Um, yeah. But your acting creme de la creme, which is so camp, that sounds really original, especially with the Iron Jaw stuff happening. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I the cool image I thought I had in my head was, you know platform heels and doing something that's quite effeminate. So we're presenting quite effeminate, but also doing something that takes a lot of strength and is um, obviously a little bit horrifying to look at as well. So I just wanted to kind of play with, you know, the beauty, but also the kind of absurdity of that as well. Does the performance, like, really put a lot of, well, it must, put a lot of strain on your jaw? I mean, technique <laughs> must be so important that, you know, because you don't want to hurt yourself. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Um, I've got to give my cheeks a good massage after the show a lot of the time. Um, and then sometimes when I'm eating food as well, like, I'll be like, oh, my jaw's a bit sore, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, it's because I've been hanging from it. Um, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, I try to I try to kind of um, not do too much iron jaw. I try to kind of save that act for special occasions. <laughs> and in um, Gods, I imagine there's quite a bit of tumbling that's going on. Yes, yes, a lot of flipping around, a lot of tumbling, jumping off people. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun, and yeah. <laughs> so, what's going to happen for you after Fringe? You're going to have a holiday, going to have a rest, or are you going to, you know, segue into another production? Ooh. Like, what's your calendar like? We'll see. We'll see. We um, we do have a few seasons. We're currently in Sydney for the Sydney Fringe Festival, um, and then yeah, we're coming down to Melbourne for uh, Melbourne Fringe, and then afterwards we'll get like a two week break before we go back onto tour. 
Um, yeah, we've got a, we've pretty much booked out until July next year, um, which very, very lucky and grateful for as well. But yes, I think, uh, you know, we get the two, odd two weeks here and there at the moment. So when we have that time, definitely like to put my feet up and just watch a bit of Netflix or take my mind off circus for a little bit. <laughs> so you're on tour essentially for the next 10 months. Basically, yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's very nice to be back on tour again as well, considering, you know, COVID, it was a very quiet time. So, you know, it's nice that we're able to go out and see the world again, for sure. So, yeah, that downtime must be absolutely essential, but you must feel like, you know, you're in kind of, you know, a rhythm with these performances. You know, if you're you're touring for 10 months, well, actually Mm. longer, because you've been going for a while, I mean, it must be an inherent part of your life. Pretty much. I mean, yeah, it's, it's like, it's quite... Um, surprising how much, how little you can live with as well. I mean, you kind of are just living out of a suitcase during that time. Um, but yeah, no, the show, you know, you, it's become, kind of becomes part of your muscle memory a little bit as well. And you kind of get into a routine each day as well. Um, and you also kind of become a bit of a nocturnal creature, I guess, <laughs> as well, because you know, you have you're full of adrenaline when you finish a show, um, and then it takes a couple of hours to get to get to sleep each night. So, but yeah, it's a, it's, it is a fun life, though for sure. And you and the team at Head First Acrobats, you must feel like your family. Yeah, absolutely. We've been spending so much time together. I mean, I joined um, I joined this company. Or what was it? End of 2021, and yeah, basically, yeah, been spending nonstop time with them. Um, for the last two years, um, you know, we've performed Gods over, uh, I, I think I would say over 150 times now. So it's just kind of, you know, it's just kind of woven itself quite seamlessly into my life very easily. <laughs> God, you must hang from your jaw in your sleep. Do you dream about it? <laughs> Probably. I, I'm very bad at recalling my dreams, but I'm sure uh, me hanging by my teeth has snuck its way in there at some point. <laughs> well, Head First Acrobats is doing three incredible productions. Uh, you, Liam Dummer, are starring in two of them, Gods and Creme de la Creme. Gods is happening at Melbourne Fringe uh, October 3 to 29, and Creme de la Creme is October 6 to 28. Uh, Prehysterical, the other production, is October 15 mm. to 29, and they're all happening at Festival Park, The Vault, Testing Grounds, Market Square, Queen Victoria Market. Liam, it's been a joy chatting with you on 3CR. Thank you so much. No, thank you very much for having me. Liam Dummer there, and you're an extraordinary performer. Uh, Check it out as part of Melbourne Fringe. And, yep, that's Head First Acrobats. And we will catch you next week on In Your Face. Taking us out is Kiss.
nobody's gonna change me Cause that's who I am face would like to thank Thorn Harbour Health for their sponsorship of this program. Thorn Harbour Health envisions a healthy future for our gender, sex and sexuality diverse communities, a future without HIV, and a future where all people live with dignity and respect. To find out more, search Thorn Harbour Health on your search engine or Facebook. <laughs>